C O V I D. Yep. Here we go. Got it. How about this one? <laughs> Is that COVID? Wait, yeah, it's COVID. Go back to the other one. It looks like it looks like it was COVID crossing the Atlantic or something. Yeah, it was COVID hitting California. <laughs> hitting the West Coast. I see I see Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's Michigan. I see Michigan. Yeah. Home, state. <laughs> Home state. That one's pretty cool. Yeah. But this is this is a friend of mine drew this one right here, which is pretty cool. But this this one is uh, this is from the House of Blues back room back door, and then there's this one. No drugs or alcohol ever. Also from that's from the House of Blues. Uh, you know, like Chicago. You know, art. Uh, no, no, this one was in in um, in Florida. This is from the um, uh, what is it? It's from the Hollywood Bowl. When I was there with Jimmy Vaughn, and there's another one. I think there's this one. You can faintly see me in the bottom. You know, just real small, just Maybe. like above where my thumb is. It's it's hard. Maybe I need to get off the screen. There I am. You see, I don't know. The one on the, the furthest to the outside there. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's the Hollywood fancy. Bowl. That's Jimmy Vaughn in the middle, right there. That's crazy. You played with them then? Huh? You played with them? Yeah, I'm in Jimmy Vaughn's band. Yeah, I'm in Jimmy's band. Yeah. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> I mean, I knew. I was on tour I knew all you, last I, year. No, I knew you were self supporting as a musician, which I thought was really cool, but I didn't know it was like you're half famous. Playing with people like that. Mm -hmm. Half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky, man. Last year we were on tour. Um, well, I guess 2019 we were we uh, we were like on tour opening for Clapton. We did a whole bunch of shows, like we played at the Chase Center in San Francisco. We were like the fourth, I think maybe was it the second show? We were the second band in there. Um, I guess Metallica opened the place, and we were in the next night, and um, and then you know, we, you know, it was a Clapton show. So and then we we hmm. went and did a bunch of you know, places, you know, in L.A. and vegas and phoenix and new york we played at madison square garden you know you know so you're rich is what you're saying <laughs> no i'm fucking you're a millionaire poor. With, with leather <laughs> with a leather hat I, 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 it is a leather hat yeah <laughs> yeah leather suspenders <laughs> yeah yeah how'd you get into music well, do you How want to introduce I, yourself to people? Oh, well, okay, my name is Mike Rinta. I'm a I'm I'm a trombone player. Uh, been a trombone player all my life. Uh, you support yourself in the most expensive place in the world playing trombone, is right? Yes. Yeah. It it could be the most. It's you know I you know it's been really. Um, but I don't know. I figure it's 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 the gift of my higher power. It's it's. Um, it's just kind of the blessings is kind of the the dream that that i've been given you know the the life beyond my wildest dreams that i've been given you know yeah uh, and there's you know definitely ups and downs but i'm really grateful for it you know i mean i think it's really cool a lot of people are jealous of me <laughs> i hate to say it, they, it's although it does seem like a very glamorous life but it's not there's a lot of struggles there's a lot of a lot of 
bullshit you have to deal with too, you know? And, you know, and I'm not, I'm not rich. I don't have any money in the bank. And, you know, I mean, uh, the hardest part about like this whole last year with COVID is not being able to play music and, uh, and connect with, because when you're, when you're up there playing, you're connecting on a, on another plane of consciousness, a deeper, a deeper level of consciousness. And, and I, I really miss that probably more than anything. Are you talking about the flow? Like where you, it's like, it almost becomes timeless and you're just. That, yeah, that is, that's what, what I strive for, you know, and it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. They call it the muse in some places. Uh, I think the, uh, the, um, the, the flamenco guitar players back in the day used to call that Duende. And, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's that thing where everybody gets drawn into the moment and we all become one. And, and yeah, I believe that to be just another higher level of consciousness. You can't make it happen because the moment you start judging it or saying, oh, wow, this is it. Bam, you're out of it. You know, that's just like meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. Same exactly. thing. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. And mindfulness and, and, and that state of what do they call it? Nirvana or, or all that. Right. Well, it's hard to know. Like it's, it's, you can't talk about those things with words. So like people do all this work to try to explain what the Buddha meant by Nirvana. And it's like, how do you even know that's what he meant? You know what I mean? Like, what if he was just like had serenity? What if that's what he was talking about? And it's just something that simple. Yeah, I think, yeah. But the moment you try to describe it, because this is stuff that goes beyond words too. Mm -hmm. So, and we try to describe it, but I think words are kind of almost limiting. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they can be. I always uh, I've been getting into the practice of if someone asks me a question, I'm like, well, it depends on your definition, you know, because there there's such a people have such drastic perceptions of words and like ideas and stuff right now that if you just answer from your perception, not knowing what theirs is, you can actually get in trouble, you know? So yeah. <laughs> you could like say something that's not politically correct yeah. uh, or whatever, you know, or somebody's always going to be offended. And that's, that's the whole thing. I don't know. What is that? Is there a campaign to divide us like that? I mean, I think there is. Yeah. There, it's there too is. many. There's too many coincidences pointing in the same direction. You know what I mean? I, that's my opinion. And it's unfortunately, you know, I, I took the time to, I went to parlor that social media app that was like supposedly white supremacist and everything. Yeah. I went there and they do like most, most of them are just Christians that want to be Christian and like shoot guns and shit. Most people there, that's what they were. But there were people that had like these really weird, videos that were obviously like deep fake videos like they were completely created and so I, I stepped in because these people were getting all you know worked up about it and I was like look like this is fake this is why and I got attacked for it and because well I also told them like you can't be sharing this stuff because it's making your whole side of America look bad but then the same thing happens on the other side like Trump when like Charlottesville, everyone thought he like promoted racism and white nationalists and stuff during Charlottesville riots when he first became president. And that was just a very clipped video at, at it that the media put out there. Like if you if you listen to the whole thing, 
he did nothing of the sort. Like he immediately denounced white supremacy and nationalism and all that crap. And I'm like, but for four years, the, that whole side of the political aisle believe he's a racist just because of that one instance. And it was, it was just bullshit. It's, it's scary. It yeah, they take it and present it out of context. And there is a thing called COINTELPRO, which is, there's a recently been a documentary, I think it's on Netflix and maybe Amazon that talks about how, you know, Martin Luther King and, and uh, you know, Malcolm X, those groups and the American Indian, certain American Indian uh, protest groups were all infiltrated by the CIA. And, you know, this documentary explains all about it. And, and you know, those programs have never ended. And I, I think, think that... So. I think that all the things I would not be surprised at all to find out if if our 12 step groups are being infiltrated by people by people that are going in there to listen, you know, and who knows, I think, you know, there's always somebody if you put a group together to try to talk about making like some real positive change, it's going to get infiltrated and 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 torn down, you know, you know, and sometimes I think people even maybe even try to work their way into the leadership and 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 go about dismantling things like that that way you know i the thing is 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 all where where are the facts that prove all this it's really hard to find facts but it, and it's really easy to to draw conclusions but you know you know i this is really my 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 firm belief that that stuff like this happens all the time and it's really for for you know, so that they can control the power and, and, and where things are moving in this country. And yeah. For that matter, globalist and, and, you know, and all that. So, yeah, I believe in glo global globalists and dark government kind of, you know, shadow government. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in all that, but a lot of that's just because I knew if, if I had money and power, that's what I would do is I'd be pulling the strings without anyone knowing it because I wouldn't want the attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's because the best way to stay in power is to stay hidden. Yeah. Maybe there's such thing as, as aliens. You know, yeah. maybe multi-dimensional, like like uh Alex Jones. Does he talk about <laughs> you never know. Uh, you know, we're we're dangerous as human beings, so shit, you know, it would be prudent to stay hidden. Yeah. <laughs> What's it's interesting, like, I've never believed in the Adam and Eve story, even though I grew up Baptist, you know, like, that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, it's totally illogical. Like, I'm like, God's not going to do something that stupid. And then, yeah. But then we learned evolution. And like, just over the last year or two, I'm like, I don't know if I believe in that anymore, either. Like, where are all the elephant people, you know? Like, and then I was stupid. And I watched, uh, aliens what is that ancient aliens uh -huh. during covid lockdown because you can't do anything so everyone just watches netflix and then i don't know some of the stuff they had was convincing yeah like, i can totally see something like an alien coming down here grabbing a monkey injecting it with a hybrid dna se sequence or something and then boom people i think there's a i think i believe in the possibility of that more than i believe in the possibility of adam and eve I think I do too. And you know, and I've seen I've seen UFOs. I've seen them with my own eyes. And my my brother, my genetic brother and my genetic sister both have seen those. 
And I, I even can speak of strange dreams that I had when I was a child where, where, you know, it's really, you know, I don't know, you know, things where I was like held down on a table by a force I couldn't see and having these small three or four foot tall creatures with big eyes and, and big heads with skinny arms and bodies, you know, made me kind of fall to the side. You know, I lost power over my body and, and then going unconscious, you know, and I remember telling my mom that, you know, and I also looked up in the sky that, or, you know, at some point I was out on my front lawn and looking and seeing these different points of light. And I said, go away, not with my voice, but with my heart. And these points of light went, and it scared me, it made me wince. And I told my mom that the blockheads came and got me. And because there was a show called on Gumby and the bad guys were the blockheads. And so that was really the only word that I had to describe these people. And my mom said, oh, you had a dream. And I believed her for years and years and years and years and never, never, ever really thought it was like aliens until all of a sudden I'm hearing people having similar experiences hmm. and, and reading, you know, communion by Whitley Strieber, you know, made me, you know, and so far as I know, it's just a dream, but it's something that never faded like every other one of my dreams. I had dreams last night that all faded. Most of my dreams I never remember, but this this one never went away. So hmm. I have no idea what if it's real or not. But but still, it kind of leaves me more likely to believe that we were seated. You know. Well, I think that's what's important, especially with this. Is you can't chisel a belief in concrete with stuff like this, and then become adamant and extremist about it right because that's not going to help the situation at all or help anyone no talk about this kind of stuff everybody's gonna make fun of you and ridicule you and say you're nuts and you know you know you just put it on the whole internet so <laughs> yeah I know. I hope, I hope you say, oh yeah my <laughs> he's insane there, there's yeah. somebody right now there's some yeah. globalist leftist right now going let's see mike trombone player they're gonna find it oh they've already been sending shit they i think i think they gather all that that kind of information they look at what i look at on youtube whenever i see something you know all that stuff through through these all algorithms gets all sent you know it's so funny like you know just last night some really weird video got sent to me through Amazon, it was like kind of came up in my recommendations and 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 I clicked on it and like everything this guy was saying was like this really far far out stuff all along the lines of what, what I was just talking about. And and it's like so I gotta remain skeptical and open, but then again I, I in some ways I agree what this guy was saying, but I just really find it really strange that it comes to me like the night before that we're doing this podcast. Right. So, yeah. So and maybe I, somebody I will read Maybe when I get this posted up, people will comment on it and reach out, you know? Yeah, no, that, that'd be cool. I'd welcome to see what people have to say about all that, you know, 
but I really believe that everything that's going on today is really all about management of our perceptions or control of how we think and what we do. You know, that's how this global takeover is going to happen. And that's, that's pretty much everybody's in fear. They're all wearing masks and, and they're all afraid to die and they're afraid to affect other people. And, you know, there's a few billionaires that are, their income is soaring while the rest of us are dropping into poverty. And, um, and uh, yeah, and all through history, there are wars, they got to thin the herd. So that might be part of this too. Yeah, I think I was wondering about that because I'm <clears throat> this is going to come out as really dark, but um, I'll probably lose all my listeners. But uh, I'm a depopulationist like that's my my viewpoint. There's they have these things in uh, Georgia called the the Guidestones, Georgia Guidestones. And essentially it's I like them. I think it's a really great idea. But, you know, keep the human population at 500 million and then rule by these things and they list a they have a list of ideas and principles to rule by but you know the problem is is we're at what what are we at now seven seven point five billion yeah the the scientists i listen to say there is going to come a point where there's going to be there, there's going to have to be a, a drastic loss of population and that might be what is actually being put into place right now because the our rulers or the people who own the land, the people with all the money and power, they also might perhaps see themselves as, you know, <clears throat> people that want to direct what's the right thing to do in this planet. And that might necessarily, it might could be the right thing to do. It's just, you know, it's just, it means a lot of people are going to have to die and uh, nobody wants to die and and you know and you know so it's those are hard decisions to make but it's also comes down to us or them so the people that have the power and the money and resources to do it you know are definitely going to want to be looking out for themselves and uh you know unfortunately if you're at the bottom of the food chain you're the one that's probably going to go older people sicker people there's that whole concept of of um eugenics um, oh yeah about breeding the more healthier, smarter people. And that was around during World War II with the, with the Nazis and that kind of like disappeared. But, you know, I mean, those people are still around just, you know, just hiding under a different kind of mask, you know, so. Well, I heard the, uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood was into that. I don't know if it's true. I guess it's debated heavily whether or not she was, but yeah. she, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to touch that one. I don't know enough about it. <laughs> this is dark stuff. Is yeah. this like working for your podcast? Is this, is this, is this? <laughs> I don't know. What the listeners think. I want to know what the listeners think. You know, not everybody, you know, that's the other thing is, is it's very easy because this is ugly, scary stuff. There's a lot of people that don't want to believe this. They don't want to believe that it's true. You know, they want to trust the sources of information that we've been given. But I also see that all through history, our sources of information have been what the church, our schools, you know, uh, the leaders in our community, you know, whatever, you know, you can be in a, in a tribe and, and your source of information could be like the witch doctor or something, you know? And, uh, you, know, you know, like tribes, they generally would actually work together to try to survive and do things together. But, you know, in this, these bigger, larger things, you know, we don't really have so much of that 
you know, it's more competition, more competition in, in our lives. And, uh, and, but anyway, back to the thing about information is it's all controlled, you know, who puts, who gets to say what in a book or teach what, and if you teach something that, that goes against what's established curriculae, you can get, lose your job, you know? So. Yeah, that's great. That's, I had, when I was in, <clears throat> when I was in Albany, right, uh, I think we were like a couple of weeks into lockdown last year. I was online and it was right at, no, it was right after, uh, what's his name? Died. Now I can't even think of his name. What's the, what's the black guy's name that died? Oh, uh, George, uh, George, uh, what's his name? George, uh, George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd. So he, he died. Everything erupted and it, the, the video was creepy for sure. Yeah. But I always had the idea of like, well, like this is what, how do you get there on the ground in the first place? Like I wanted to know what the rest of the story was, but um, I'm not excusing what happened at all. But then the toxology report came out or his autopsy and it like the autopsy was like, we're not sure how he died yet. Right. Like pretty much like it, we don't know if it's the knee or if it was the drugs, it could have been a combination of both. And so I brought that up on a Facebook post and like, I just got like attacked by these people yeah. and they, they it was just, it was painful. Cause like they sent this stuff to my employer, they edited it. They edited everything I said, made it look like I was this racist, you know, piece of shit. They sent it to my employer. My, the CEO was like, what the, you know, like this was a huge <laughs> corporate. Really? Oh. Yeah. Well, this was a monster organization, you know, like we're the, it was like one of the biggest nonprofit organizations in the world. Right. Yeah. So high profile kind of stuff. And, um, but anyway, like the, my HR called me and like, she's like, this is what's going on. Like you gotta, you have any way to prove otherwise. And so I was able to go back somehow. I, I just got lucky and I was able to screenshot everything. And then, you know, the CEO, once she had all the information, she was like, oh, well, yeah, like that's a reasonable thing to ask, you know. But uh, that's just the twist of it. The way people can twist things so easily, it's uh, it's really destructive. And I think that's where the spirituality is coming in for me, you know. Yeah, we, we only can really trust what's what our heart tells us. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know. It's, it's, it's true. I, I believe that there are internet trolls. Every time I've tried to make a good point about something on, on Facebook, there's always people that I have no idea who, who they even are, are coming out, you know, and, and, you know, I've seen them call me names and ridicule me and, and, you know, all, all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, I mean, I'm at a point to where I, I rarely even try to make any kind of point. And plus, you know, the algorithms, any, you know, on, on Facebook kind of just shut you down anyway, where nobody even ever gets a chance to even see what you're trying to say. So, um, you know, I think we're being totally censored. And if this is going on YouTube, I'd, I'd be curious to find out if, uh, if it gets taken down, because I know that YouTube has actually taken down a lot of videos of people that, that come out, you know, doctors that speak out against COVID. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's her name uh Catherine Austin Fitz talking about you know 
the economics and and what's happening, how how this COVID thing is going to uh, how it links with, uh, you know, new currencies and, you know, digital, you know, digital currencies and, and the oversight of all that, you know, she actually spells it out really, really nicely and very clearly about what's going on. And uh, yet she's been removed from, from Facebook or not Facebook, but from YouTube. And, uh, you know, you have to go to places like BitChute to, to be able to view videos that are, that are deemed not fit for, you know their guidelines so you know yeah i've never seen that kind of well i was i've always been young and naive but the yeah the censorship that's been going on has been like the the social media companies it almost seems like they should be sued for election interference interference just for the um hiding the the joe Biden or hunter biden story like and saying it's fake and not real and all this other stuff and then after a week a week after joe biden's sworn in it's like oh yeah that was real and it's like, well, you can't just do that, you know, like that seems like really manipulative, like some kind of warfare. It almost feels like warfare. It is. It's psychological warfare. I think this is like World War Three and it's being waged on our consciousness on how we think. You know, they know that nuclear weapons won't work and they also know that they can't just line people up and put them on a train and haul them off to a camp and put them in an oven. They know that people will not, you know, they know that people know about all that shit and will rise up, you know, so they're being a lot more smarter. So they've created, you know, you know, they, the whole thing about terrorists and 9-11 and, and all that, it's, you know, they blame it on a small group of people that nobody here really even knows. And, and they're in, in that sense, it's kind of an invisible enemy, you know, an enemy with a name. And now we have this new enemy, which is invisible that, that floats around in the air and gets spread from person to person, you know, <laughs> now, and now it's drastically mutated right when we got the, the vaccine. And it's going to continue to mutate. <laughs> it's not going to change, man. They're going to keep it. You know, they also told us right from the beginning, this is the new normal. So, you know. Yeah. I so, thought he was fucking around, but when I heard that, but now I'm starting to think it's true. They're not. Yeah. They're going to just, yeah. they're, they're not. I mean, I've seen videos with Bill Gates saying this is not going to go back to the old ways until we get everybody on the planet vaccinated. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. They're, they're, the new vaccination changes our DNA and, and I don't know. I don't know if it's going to affect if new strains of this is going to interact or how it's going to interact with our bodies. And uh, this is exactly the kind of topic that YouTube will pull from their thing. <laughs> you know, but we're just a couple of regular jokers here. It's not like we're doctors talking about this shit, but, but yeah. you know, who knows? Well, we haven't said the F word yet. I've F -A -R. said it a times. F R A U D E. And then okay. uh, you can what was the other one? What? There's another word you can't say. I forgot what it was. Is it dick or pussy or? No, I think you can do whatever you want in that regard. Yeah. I hope so. Mm. It won't be for long. Pretty soon, it's, pretty soon it, it is going to be alt tech, I think, that are, they're going to get really strong really quick. They already are. Yeah, like bit shoot. I just. I do like, yeah. What about I just have, what's that i have this weird loyalty to like facebook because i was there when it started you know yeah i know but it's i know i'm still addicted to it it is it is an addiction you know well they design it that way that's for sure yeah 
they've come they've come out and admitted it you know you hear it in the in their documentaries you know but that's what's that that uh, social uh it's a dilemma that, yeah social dilemma yeah it's crazy yeah that even with that information i was like oh i shouldn't be doing this but then i kept doing it and it's it was kind of like they say in the uh, in the big book, like self, self-knowledge availed us nothing. <laughs> like, it's like, I have all the data I need to know that this is really bad for me. And yet here I am like doing it again. I know. Well, one of the things I heard in that video I watched last night was about, you know, you know, it, it addresses like, uh, the many worlds feel, you know, the theory in physics about the different timeline possibilities. And maybe there's a timeline that we could jump into that that uh, takes us away from all this evil fucked up shit, <laughs> you know. And uh, I don't know how do we how do we and and I guess you get there by by you know the way you think and uh, your your um, you know I mean I, I think that's like the law of attraction or it starts getting into the law of attraction but you know uh, um, I don't know. well have you listened to some of those it, this is pretty foo-foo spiritual foo-foo shit but uh like Abraham mm-hmm. have you listened to that no no that's very much oriented with law of attraction it's a this woman channels the spirit called abraham Mm -hmm. and it's like a i don't know if it's a dimensional being or what but it it comes through her and it talks and a lot of the stuff it says is very related to law of attraction and new thought and all that kind of stuff well you know there might be uh, the, the whole thing about time could be an illusion that that we just look at time because we're human beings but really all points of time and space are actually all connected into one place, you know? So, and this whole thing about consciousness, um, you know, what is consciousness, but we could all be sharing a unified, there might be a a unified consciousness that we can actually get in touch with uh, as we meditate and, and work to kind of achieve deeper levels of consciousness. You know, I mean, you know, there's, there's truth about like, um, having intuition and and that's a uh, part of how we uh how we get into those 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 uh those states of mind so hmm. so i don't know it's all crazy stuff yeah a lot of times when i think about this stuff i realize i don't have the brain power to figure it out <laughs> yeah. well, and then i get frustrated maybe we just gotta surrender and turn it over yeah it's kind of like when I was drinking and using, like my mom bought me some alcohol when I was 14. And I remember I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to drink half of it tonight and then I'll save the other half for tomorrow. Right. And I drank it all that night. And as I was drinking it, I noticed it was weird that I, I was losing control over it. And then I just, that night I was like, shit. I got the fucking thing. I got the thing my dad has. I, I have the thing my mom has. I have all, I have it. So I had the data. And so I stayed away from it for a while. But then, you know, in my later teens, I started party again. And I was completely aware of like how it just kept growing 
Like first as a six pack on Saturday, and then it was 10 on Saturday, and then it was six on Friday, and then 10 on Saturday. And I was aware of like, oh shit, this is getting worse. This is progressing. It's going to crash. And I'm like, fuck it, let's go with it. And then like that idea would be like, you know, go to AA, go to AA. And I'm like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, you just kind of made me flash on, on uh, you know, I was always already well established in the drinking and drugs. And I had this friend named Bob in high school. And uh, and as a 17 year old, I had a job working as a janitor and my boss used to pay me with cocaine and and uh, and Is that legal. How do you how do you take taxes out of that? No, he does. I mean, it was just one of the. I mean, I got like a salary or you know an hourly wage too. But he would also line up huge lines on a on a table and say, "Hey, now go to work," and uh, and I actually purchased some coke. You know, Bob gave me money to purchase some cocaine, and uh, and of course I snorted some of it, and that phenomenon of craving kicked in. I couldn't, I couldn't fucking keep, stop doing the coke and i wound up like stepping on i i used flour because i'm i'm a young high school kid i didn't know any better and i put flour in it and when i finally brought the stuff to him he says oh man this tastes like flour and it's and and i don't know i'm like lying saying no it's not it's really good shit you know but it just goes to show you you know that how addiction can you know take over and and, and make you do like really stupid things <laughs> oh yeah it does and if Bob's watching, okay, I'll give you 25 bucks. <laughs> no, it's horrible. Yeah. So. And it, I just, you know, it's, it's sneaky. Like, I remember even when I was a kid, I was always trying to hide my dad's drugs and stuff because I didn't want him to do it. And then, like, I would throw his cigarettes away. Like, he didn't like that. And then, uh, like... You know how you have projects in school. One of mine was like, it was like my own dare program project. And I had this big picture of a marijuana plant and shit. Uh-huh. And my like my dad was like, there was a fence between it and my dad or something. <laughs> and that was like my project. And so it's it. like, you know, to think of that and then think of like how that impacts kids. You know, that's a it's kind of sad sometimes when you think about it that way. Well, we, we had a Joe camel poster right across the street from our school and we had a smoking section. And once a year, the camel girls, camel girls would come on the campus dressed in like really short shirts and, and little tight little, uh, you know, short shorts and tight shirts. And they would pass out camel, you know, like they couldn't give us cigarettes, but they would give us lighters and t-shirts and baseball caps and cigarette cases and, uh, you know, and that was like a regular thing that happened, you know, every year. And, uh, you know, so, and, you know, with my dad, oh, check this out. With my dad, I didn't want him smoking cigarettes. So I would take little, little pins, like a, like a, like a needle or something and poke holes in the filter. And then he'd suck on the cigarettes. So he couldn't get a hit out of it because there was all the holes in the filter. That's a good idea. I wish I would have <laughs> thought of that one. You're a smart, you're a smart kid. Yeah. But as far as the drugs and the drinking goes, you know, because I became a smoker, I was really ashamed of him uh, or, or ashamed of my own smoking. So I, I never once let my dad see me smoke. Never? No, I always hit it, you know, 
And I'm on Chantix it, right now. Huh? I'm on Chantix right now as I smoke this cigar. Right on. Yeah, I, I actually, fortunately, I was able to give it up in, in, um, when I was 32. Cold turkey? Uh, no, I blatantly chewed nicotine gum for about a year or more. Did it help? Uh, and and yeah, just I allowed myself to chew as much as I wanted whenever I wanted. And then when I realized how much I was spending on nicotine gum, I, it was much easier to put cold turkey in the gum. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, but um, yeah, so I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say, but. Something super profound and full of wisdom, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> well, I was going to say that my dad, I was actually allowed to grow pot in my bedroom. And I had a big like indica bush in my room and, uh, and, you know, everybody liked to, even though I was ashamed to let him see me smoke cigarettes, it was, you know, I guess, okay to drink beer and do all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's what they did late at night. You know, I remember my stepmother being high on acid and, and at Thanksgiving and couldn't like cook the turkey cause she was so high. <laughs> Damn, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this your biological or uh, adopted? This is all adopted. Yeah. Okay. This is the family I was raised with. There was, you know, um, a divorce. Um, so there was like my mom and stepfather who were all both very, very straight. And I couldn't really get along with my stepfather. And I moved in with my dad and stepmother. And they were more of the partiers. And I felt because of that, I was a better fit with them, you know. <clears throat> you know, uh, I did actually graduate high school with with a uh, with a three point eight three grad. Uh, I got busted for uh, you know forging my report cards, and uh, and my dad took my trombone away, and said I couldn't have it back until I got straight. You know, uh, at least C's, and and you know, and I actually turned my grades into straight A. a I had one B. Everything else was A's. That's pretty good. All I had to do was just show up to class. Yeah, yeah. So, Did you go to college? You know, no, no. I, I, I took some music theory stuff in college, and and you know, my whole life has really been about playing trombone. And well, know, when did your sp spirituality I, I start making? Then it started when I was, uh, you know, um, I found it in the twelve step rooms. We grew up, we actually used to ridicule. My dad used to make fun about the Christian guy up the street would come down the street and read to us out of, out of the Bible. And he'd see him coming and say, hey, close the doors, close the windows, Robin's coming. And, uh, and, and so it was not really considered like a cool thing, you know. So when the idea was presented to me that I needed to believe in a power greater than myself if I wanted to get some sobriety, you know, um, I had a tough time with the idea but they said to pray for willingness. And I said, what if I'm not willing? They said, well, we'll pray to be willing to become willing. And, uh, and then they also told me about uh, a buffet style and I could put what I want on my plate and disregard the rest. And, and from this buffet style, it kind of grew into this like real big thing where I actually can see where Christians are right. You know, I can actually, uh, I asked, you know, like you know, they talk about having faith and, you know, like if Jesus saying that, that, um, you know, you can, if you have enough faith, you can move a mountain, you can do anything. And, and I see that as being the law of attraction that with the right, with the, the right frame of mind, the right con conviction in your heart 
and uh, that you can actually do just pretty much anything. You can like attract it to yourself. And, you know, and I, through these powers, you know, I think I've, I've done pretty well with them. I've been able to um, have a really great career. Everything that, I've, everything that I've ever had is something that I had to call out for and ask for first. Hmm. And um, so, you know, and it comes, help me, help me with this podcast. Help me to say some good stuff. So, and, uh, you know, so, yeah. We're so and, patiently and, you know, waiting it, for you to do that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do definitely feel that I kind of dived deep into some dark kind well, of I think you had to get it out. For Who knows? Maybe maybe someone needs to hear it. Who knows? I don't give a shit. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? T- the only reason I started that well, I've I've had the idea of doing something like this for a long time. And when I first got sober in Michigan, we had a. Uh, I got really frustrated with AA because meetings were just talking about drinking all the time. And I was like, I don't care about drinking anymore. I've been sober for a long time. Like I, but I, here's all these other issues I still have, you know, they're kicking my ass. And so like, I started getting frustrated and I wanted to do this like a squared kind of thing. Like what's that? Like the next level of AA, you know, ACA. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. ACA is a good one. Yeah. You're yeah. you're very instrumental in that instrumental in that, weren't you? In in your area. I started two, yeah, I started two meetings in the area and I, I kind of really felt like a lot of people in AA weren't able to look at some of these deeper level things that I, I was looking at and I needed other people to identify because we can't we can't recover alone. We need other people to, you know, to reflect upon, you know, we have mirror neurons in our brain and, and that's just, you can't fix a broken brain with a broken brain. And so um, in many ways, I felt like uh, AA could only take me so far. I also felt that some of the people there were kind of just like resting on their laurels and, and uh, you know, cause I think that there's also a thing that, that you can easily kind of distract yourself by always helping others and looking at others, but at the same, at the same time, you're, you're ignoring some of these deeper levels in yourself that never get touched on. And when I, I you know, I hit a bottom, you know, uh, with, with my codependency and, uh, and, and from CODA, um, I eventually found ACA, which to me really had a lot more healing power in it, you know, because it involved you know, really addressing and looking at the grieving losses, it, it, it was required that I, I get free of everything that I dissociate with. And um, I grieve my losses, and then I begin to have a spiritual awakening. So well, and just to remind people, what's, uh, what's ACA, like, they might not know exactly what it is, or who it's, it's for. Adult, adult, it's adult children of alcoholics. And it, it was formed in the, in the, uh, the late 70s, uh, out of, uh, Alateen, you know, these teenagers that were, you know, coming from alcoholic families. And, and so that's where it, it began. It was kind of similar, uh, to Al-Anon. Um, but, but the focus is just, you know, is really about being raised in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. And, and, um, the program actually published its text in 2006. So of all the 12 step groups, you know, um, ACA is the most developed 
in my opinion, or at least, you know, from the experience of strength and hope of its members all writing and sharing their experience, strength and hope, you know, I think they've really, you know, gone way deeper into what this family dysfunction thing is a lot deeper than, you know, I mean, and that's the cool thing. Even AA kind of left room for that. You know, they said in the end of their book, you know, we realize we know only a little and uh, we know that we'll, we hope that we'll run into you as you trudge the road of happy destiny. And, and look what happened. We had all these other 12 step groups, you know, sprout up around like overeating, about oversexing, spending, gambling, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and uh, they see at the root of it, all of it is some kind of trauma. And a lot of that trauma began when we were you know, being raised in our families. And that trauma gets passed from generation to generation, you know, unknowingly, you know, everybody grows up and says, oh, I'm not gonna be like my dad. And there they are being with their children, just like their dad was. And, and Actually, I got a story about that I wanna share. It's kind yeah. of, it's, it's, it's a little dark. But um, a girlfriend and I got pregnant when I was like 26. Mm-hmm. And I just knew it was a horrible idea to like have that kid because she didn't, she hadn't dealt with her childhood stuff and I hadn't dealt with mine yet. And we were just going to pass it on to that kid. And I just like put myself in that kid's situation of how difficult and challenging it is to grow up in the world with, you know, like all this extra baggage, unnecessary baggage and shit on them. And so you, ultimately we had just, we ended up having an abortion over it, you know, or she did. Yeah. And uh, it was really painful. Actually. I was surprised. I didn't think I was going to be emotional about it, but I cried and like for a year I was really upset about it. It would go off and on, but, even after a year of it happening, I, I remember I was sitting in my truck and I started weeping about it again. But it's, you know, I think it's important because I, I got a huge resentment towards my family. And I used to pray and ask God for a new awareness or something because I couldn't figure out why I became aware and courageous enough to do something different in my life. And yet my parents didn't. Right. Like they just kept going into addiction and, you know, all the destructive behavior. And it's like what I couldn't reconcile that. And so I, I used to think, well, it's like, well, God made you aware and God, he didn't God didn't make them aware. Like I, I used to think it was something like that. And now I've just decided, like, no, they were aware that there were other options, but they chose not to take them just like I was aware when I first had those, that alcohol, my mom bought me that something was wrong. And then as I, you know, as aware, as it progressed into stronger and stronger addiction, and I just, I chose not to do anything about it. You know, I think there's a choice there of you, we get to change our path. I think we always have an opportunity to change our path in life. Yeah. You know, um, I pray that I can change my path. But you know what? What you made me think of when you're telling that story is I remember one time, you know, uh, talking to my dad about, you know, and my dad telling me he was against ad- uh, abortion because if if uh, because if if abortion was like 
really happening. I could have never even been here because I'm an adoptee. My mother, my birth mother could have easily, um, uh, you know, um, um, decided to abort me. And instead she, you know, you know, brought me to San Francisco and I'm grateful for being here, but there's a lot of pain and fucked up stuff that goes on when you're an adoptee. You know, it really affected my identity. It affected my, um, my ability to really build bonds with other people, women, all that, you know, so, you know, but on the other hand, when I got a woman pregnant, um, you know, she, you know, the first words out of my mouth were, let's get an abortion. And she says, I don't believe in that. And so I have a daughter, um, that was born and, and it actually, you know, um, you know, she's, she lives up and she's 21 now. She just turned 21. And, um, you know, I haven't really been much in her life. Um, but, uh, but I am grateful that I have some kind of offspring, you know, but I don't know. I, um, uh, I think a lot of my adoption trauma and my, my ability to bond has really kind of interfered with my really my ability to really have a a, a good um, a relationship with her. You know, because part of me is like terrified to to you know to have a relationship with her to really talk with her. You know, although when we do talk, we talk at least once a month, but still, there's part of me that's really scared, and and um, you know doesn't know what to say or doesn't know what to do and doesn't know how to be a dad and that. so I don't know pretty crazy yeah I have the the same yeah, challenges yeah. the uh the connecting to people <clears throat> like I'm usually pretty numb you know from the neck down and um like in the chest area and like every now and then, like every few years, I'll get close enough to somebody where it's like I get this moment of warmth and connection towards them, and then it goes away. And I'm like, man, I'm really fucked up. Because <laughs> the people I talk to are like, no, that's not that's not how we experience that at all. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. But it's it is frustrating for me because, uh, well, just like the girlfriend I had in Berkeley. You know, I did love her a lot, but she would say, like, I love you. And, you know, inside, I'm like, what what value does that have to me that there's no value to that to me? Like, because, you know, there's no feeling. But um, it, so that being said, it's like. The way I experience connection is on like this energy or psychic level. So I have thoughts of being caring and connected with people and like force, you know, I see their needs coming up. I, I try to prepare and be a good provider in that way. Uh, but yeah, that connection is a problem. And then I've noticed, I, I just did another fist step with my sponsor and his prayer was, he's he told me I have to pray every day to not, use people as objects to fulfill my ego needs. And I thought that was a pretty good idea. 
but ever since I did that fist step with him, this like desire to have kids with my ex-girlfriend in, in Berkeley has been coming up. And I haven't had that desire with anyone since like my high school sweetheart, you know, back in Michigan. So it's been, what, 20 years? Are you still in touch with her? Which one? The Berkeley girl? Email once in a while. She, uh, we were doing really good, I thought. And then we did start having a pattern develop where there'd be a, a point of conflict. I mean, it's just inability to negotiate and stuff, compromise. But, and then we would both go our separate ways. And for me, I get really angry. I would get really, really angry. And I don't like to respond from that place. And so I would go into the bedroom and like sit on the bed and like be quiet for a long time, like sometimes a day or more to like try to get to a better place of compassion or something with it. And then she had her own part of that, right? Like she did a very similar thing. But anyway, like that repeated three times. And um, we tried to set up therapy. I, I called my therapist. He said we could do it, but it'd be all the way in Redwood City, which is a, it's a long drive from Berkeley. And then it was her turn to call her therapist and see if they could do it under the Kaiser plan we had. And uh, she just wouldn't do it. Like she said she wanted to do therapy, but then when it was when it was her turn to like do it, she wouldn't do it. And so we kind of just got stuck. And then, you know, politics were crazy because it was an election year and then COVID was crazy. And um, we she said something along the lines of uh, you can't be racist to white people. And I got really, really angry. And, I'm like, and I said that in itself is a racist statement. And she's like, no, you can't do that. Like, it's not possible to be racist towards white people. And so I'm like, I hung up with the phone. Like, I was getting so pissed off and talked to my therapist about it and shit. And he's, he suggested trying to um, find out what her definition of racism is and, like, you know, try to work from there. And so we did. And... Uh, just I got angry again and I told her I got to go like I'm and I had to hang up because I was getting so fucking pissed off and a lot of it was because I got beat up by black people when I was living with my mom in like a, a really bad part of town in like Miami and then I was assaulted in Denver like the racial slurs that I got in Denver I've never experienced that to that level before and but then you know there's also like this some of the anger was like my own racism and not just racism, but grouping people and judging them based on a label. Like in the Midwest, I think it's really common for if you say a black person, they're most likely going to think of an inner city, you know, poverty level black person is what they're going to think of because of the news and just everything. Like that's how their brain is wired, right? Like that's how they're taught. They're brainwashed that way. When reality is it's like 60% of black people are middle class or more or something. You know, we have, we have, uh, our neighbors are black and they got, you know, three children, maybe four. I think there's like four children in there. And I'll tell you, man, all I ever hear is like happy sounds coming out of there. 
you know, they're like a really close knit family. They talk, there's a father, there's a mother and everything is like really, really cool. And it, it's beautiful to kind of see that, you know, and uh, you know, but you know, there's been plenty of times where I've had negative experiences with, with people, black people that are angry at white people. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's hard. You know, I work with musicians. I like it when that kind of vibe, that energy is like non-existent. And when I've been on tour in Europe, you know, cause there's always kind of a wedge or a kind of vibe or an energy that goes on because of the history that we have in, in, in how the, the blacks were exploited and really treated very poorly and used for slaves. You know, and, and they too have family trauma that gets passed from generation to generation to generation. And so there's a lot of stuff, their viewpoints could be taught to them by their parents and it's passed on. And, and, uh, and, and it's very easy for me to, to think, well, I've never done anything bad. You know, I was never a slave owner. I never did this. And yet people are fucking you know, treating me like shit when I, you know, when I go to the store, you know, you know, I had an experience recently where they, they, they charged me like twice as much as what the sale price was. It was on a, a thing was on sale and, and, uh, they charged me twice as much. And, and the dude who was in front of me, who was black had like a dollar less than what the sale price was. And then I was like $10 more than what the sale price was. And, and that all came out in the checkout line. And I'm like, going, wow, this is like clearly some reverse kind of racism stuff. Go, It happens. This is stuff. It's, it's like real, you know, but you know, I mean, you know, the message it's like, every time you bring up a racism kind of thing, there is a button that's pushed that automatically gets people feeling uncomfortable because there's a wound there that goes way back and people are really hurt by it and people are very uncomfortable it's not easy to be able to even talk frankly or straight up without these things because everybody's fearful about about saying something that's not politically correct and people listening to this right now could be going wow that what a fucking asshole that guy is you know about me you know because who knows but i i you know i i want to be able to get along with people I, don't, I look at the person's character and how they are, and it doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, or red, or whatever. You know, I mean, if you got good character and you're friendly and you're mean well and you're honest and you're sincere and you allow yourself to be vulnerable, hell yeah, we could have like a hell of a deep relationship and everything would be good. You know, and, and you know, so, and I've seen that you go to Europe and you see where that problem never happened and that energy is not there. It's what not- What do you mean it never happened? Well, they have a different type of a, they have different types of racism in Europe. And so it's not the same slavery kind of thing, man, you know, white versus black and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's that energy when you talk to, to, to blacks over there is not the same. It's it's just not there. There's like a anger that's non existent or a resentment that's 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 there. You know, I mean, hmm. or, or a certain mistrust. I don't know. There's a whole lot of different things. It could be a certain mistrust or a certain ex- expectation that, that, you know, that you're going to think somebody's going to believe or, or think what they are because of what their color is, you know, you know, it's, it's un- like you said, it's uncomfortable it when you talk about it, but if people are going to, if they're uh, taught to be irresponsible for 
that discomfort. Like for me, if like the anger with my ex-girlfriend, I had to stop and be like, why am I getting so angry? This should just be like a, a calm discussion. Like that's the ideal, right? Like I imagine the ideal, like this should be a calm discussion, rational, sit down, like work this stuff out. But my anger and then her anger like came up too, right? It's not like it was just me, but I, you know, the, the stopping and be like, why am I so upset? And like, I do, I do have to ask God to help me see the truth of it because I, I, maybe I'm embarrassed or maybe I have, you know, this like spiritual arrogance about thinking of I'm somehow better than these, you know, being prejudiced towards people, you know, or having prejudiced ideas towards people, I should say. I don't treat them different. I don't treat anyone differently, usually. Well, I think in a certain sense, it might be almost normal that people who grow up in America are going to have some kind of prejudice you know, that's gonna, that's gonna happen, you know, that they just pick up the shit from their environment, you know, and, you know. How do we get rid of the separation, though? Like, how do we teach people to be humble and honest enough to face that within themselves, you know? Like, that's something I really want to do. I mean, I would, yeah, I would love to do that, too, but we have to strive to do that for ourselves. But also, we have to remember that the, the, the media and the powers that be want to divide us that divide and conquer is a wartime kind of strategy. And we talked about it earlier. We are at war right now. And, yeah. and so I think we're divided racially, religiously, sexually, sexual, uh, that's gender, sexual orientation. And, you know, even you drive down the streets and it's like the pedestrians versus the cars, or the cars versus the bike riders. Everybody is like against each other. And, you know, I mean, I think the message is, you know, I th just things are said, you know, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting when we, we, you know, when George Floyd happened, at that point, everybody was angry about we've lost our business because of COVID. We are mad. We're, we're you know, we're being forced to shut down because we're considered non-essential. We need to make a living, and why are you doing this? And all of a sudden, bam, the George Floyd thing happens. Now everybody's pissed off about racism in America, you know? And it totally, totally changed the minds, you know, the, the, how everybody was thinking. So I don't know. I would, I would suggest that maybe things like this are deliberately driven into our consciousness in order to control and manipulate how we think so that certain individuals can have power. You know, I mean, this is, I really, th it's, I think it's a, there's a divide and conquer strategy. There's a reason why there's a left and a right and why they can't, you know, argue or why they, why they can't come together, you know? And I've I think now would be a, a great time to make new political parties, like the, <laughs> Patriot Party for Trump and then like the a progressive party for AOC and her gang like those those would split you know the the Republican and Democrat parties into pretty good chunks and like you'd probably start getting people elected from those groups you know what I mean maybe but you know would those groups be infiltrated will they be oh yeah for sure will there's, people, there's no escaping that <laughs> will people in those groups become corrupted because I think that's yeah. often what happens people become corrupted you offer a lot of money and you know i think 
what I was trying to get at was like, instead of having these massive, so I'm bipolar, right? Mm -hmm. So I have like, I'm a pendulum. I have this side, which is really, really destructive. And then this side, which is also really, really destructive, (laughs) but it's only two. And so right now we only have two parties for, for the most part. And so we're just, we're doing this thing. But if we have four, I think it would take some of that energy and like bring the extremes back into the center, hopefully, or at least they'll bring politicians and like who gets elected into legislative powers, like more centered. That's my opinion. I don't think it's true, but I don't know. Germany did it. And I got a ton of respect for Germany, man. When they, they run into a problem, they just fix it. Like they don't, they don't point the finger at anybody. They're like, well, we did this. Okay, let's do this. Boom, 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 boom. Done. Well, well, also, I think after World War II, everybody there had a lot of really extreme sanctions put on them after all that stuff that went down, and and uh, I think they really suffered and had to pay and work hard. Work really work hard to get their shit together as a result of all that, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a crazy world we live in, huh? Yeah, let's dig it in there. I don't know if, if, if there's any one solution I, it, other than that we need to come together, that we got to stop looking at the differences and start looking at the similarities and see where we can really be helpful to each other and, and to help support each other, you know, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing I can do. I, I noticed that, what's that Gandhi saying, be the change you want to see or something? Like, I think that's pretty accurate. Like, I think that's a very truthful perspective. But that comes with a cost. Like, every day I have to, kind of like they teach in the 12 steps, like, I have to do, like, a moral inventory on a daily basis and see, you know, where I'm fucking up. Or where I'm doing good, even. Like, there is, like, in hindsight, with my girlfriend in, in Berkeley, if I had been doing more step work on a regular basis with my sponsor, instead of isolating because of COVID, like we probably could have worked through some shit, you know what I mean? But because I stopped growing on a regular basis, like that put me at a. Well, a I, I, I think what motivates people to want to change is when they're in pain. And yeah. I know that for myself, I'm not going to want to change until and, you know, pain is the only thing that really motivates me to want to change. And when I'm in pain, then I'll work towards them. But we all drive down the road and we look at everybody else as being the idiot. We think everybody else is the problem. And I think that's quite natural. We naturally just kind of do that. We never think of ourselves as being the unsafe driver. And that's because I'm not, Mike. <laughs> you're not, you're not I don't even idiot. have a license. That's everybody how safe I am. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah <laughs> you're always on foot, you know, but that's how we became friends is me, me driving you up the hill, giving you rides. And you oh know, my God. So that was always, always great. I, I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, spending. Dude, I miss the hills. The hills are beautiful. Yeah. I miss that whole area. I think it's that Berkeley, Albany, the hills, that whole little area right there is amazing. But it's just, I wish it was more affordable. I was talking to a guy. He said, if you get a website that gets on like the first or second page of Google, of a Google search, yeah, you can sell those for about a million bucks. Really? I was like, if I, if I had 
either you know revenue stream of 300 a year or a chunk of change like that i probably would move back to the bay area like right into albany i'd probably move to albany here yeah are you getting tired i am pansy it was a crazy day today you know a lot of stress you actually helped pull me out of it so thank you and i played some i played some you know for about two hours before the show i picked up my horn warmed up a little bit and put on some recordings and played along with the recordings and it just put me in a really good good happy soulful connected kind of frame of mind so yeah it started with your phone call though. <laughs> and then of course I digressed once we got here. <laughs> That's all right. But it's all good. It's all good. So Well, in all your all of your astounding wisdom, if you had to leave behind one thing for the next generation, some bit of wisdom, some nugget, like what would it be? Be quick to see where. Uh, be quick to see where where you know other people are right. You know, don't always look at faults and the differences. Look at the similarities. You know, we all come together and we unite, and that's that's, I think, what might help us to uh, get along a little better. You know? Awesome. Mike, if, if we were close to close, I would give you a, a yeah. high five. But we're still on COVID lockdown. And we're, we're like, what are we, 3,000 miles away or some shit? Yes. 2,800. 2, yeah. COVID idiots. <laughs> I, think, I think you're going to become a regular guest. I can tell right now. You're going to be the guy that comes every well, couple okay. of Well, I'm flattered. <laughs> I'm flattered. We've, I I think, I think we we do have a lot of similarities in in, in yeah. how we do things. So we've barely tapped that that well of wisdom you got. Aren't you a Virgo? I'm actually an Aquarian. I I just turned my my I just turned 54 on January 22nd. Oh. Uh, oh no, not that's 54. probably why we're that's probably why we're talking. Yeah, 56. What's your Holy sign? Shit. Leo. Yeah. Right on. So, yeah. Of course, right? Is that what sign? Is that like an earth sign or a... Uh... It's the only sun sign, fire. <clears throat> it's the king of fire. And, and uh, I'm a water sign. No, you're air. Oh, is that, is that... I thought the Aquarius was the water bearer. Okay, I guess so. It is, but it's an air sign. Don't ask me why. But it's it's like... So Leo's like the king of fire. Aquarius is the king of air. Taurus is king of earth, and then Scorpio is king of water. And then all the other ones are kind of like this weird mixture. But um, I dated a girl that was super into it for like three and a half years. And so like it started rubbing off on me. I don't even know how much of it's true, but studying it has helped me a little at least. Like believe things about myself that I wouldn't have believed otherwise. Like yeah. that I'm good with people or that I have a salesmanship, you know, those are things I wouldn't have accepted as true to me until I read that in my astrology. And I was like, well, I'm going to believe it and try it. And then I was. Well, I've always felt very comfortable with you. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I hope you get a good night's rest. I really appreciate this. 
I man, I can't wait to see the whole finished thing, and and uh, you know, and uh, and and I hope, I hope, I hope we actually did some positive for for people. Yeah. I think we did. I think we got into some the childhood stuff, like the patterns, like that was really good. I think the uh, the addiction and how that grows was really good. You know, I think there were some good. St- we had we were vulnerable too. Yeah, yeah. People people eat that shit up. Yeah. Well, I'm also really, I started out today just being emotionally drained because of the stress that I was going through earlier in the day. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that being able to give a good share is, is really dependent on my connection with the universe that I can channel like really powerful stuff when I'm in the right frame of mind. And, uh, and I think that's true for everybody. You know, and, and of course, humans, we can think, oh, wow, that it's us that's doing that. I think, no, I think it's a gift that we that we all get to occasionally receive. And, um, you know, so I don't know, maybe when there's a future podcast, uh, I can be in that kind of zone and, and we, you know, and, 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 and even better, better things, you know, it's all just, different levels of consciousness, you know. We'll call it Mike part two. It'll just be Mike part two. part two. (laughs) Well, and you too, Ryan, you know, I mean, you know, I think us working together to try to get a good message is, is, uh, is, is, is cool. So, you know, yeah, I think what I'll do is, um, once I get this uploaded everywhere, it's going to be. I'll send you an email or something with the links to it. And then if you could help spread the word or hit I like should, and subscribe yeah. and all that shit, you know, that'd be great. Hey, do you have ones I could actually check out already from the path that you've done? Not, um, they're AA tapes. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, Chuck C. I have Chuck C on mindful mail. Okay. I'll I have the full, in. it's like eight hours. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's mystical as fuck. He's from California. He drank himself to death, came back, and something was different about him. And then he stayed sober. Uh, and people were like, "What the fuck happened to you? Like, what? You're acting different. Like, what's wrong?" And then he found AA. And amazing story. That's all yeah. I can say. Well, I, I yeah, definitely stuff like that happens. I think sometimes you know you have to go to the point of near death in order to have that kind of awakening and that kind of connection. Yeah. I was always disappointed. I only went to the hospital once because of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted some more ODs and shit in there. <laughs> I, I always fantasize about it. I, I fantasize lying on the ground with a bottle of Jack Daniels and bleeding internally, coughing up blood, and there's like a puddle of vomit with blood in it, and everybody circling around me going, Oh, poor Mike. He was so talented. Look what he's done to himself. Why? <laughs> we love you, Mike. Why did you do that? I used to fantasize about that when I was young. <laughs> wow. I did a... too. You're <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> poor me. Pour me another drink. You're fucked up, bro. Yeah, I know. No, I, I used to do that. I used to, brain. I used to hold my breath, trying to make myself pass out, thinking it was going to kill me when I was a kid. 
Because I, I didn't want to live with what was going on anymore. So I tried to, like, pass out and die. I didn't know much I about something. I had a friend whose girl. Yeah, well, you, you start breathing once you pass out. I had a friend whose girlfriend actually took a plastic bag and duct taped it around her neck and took herself out like that. That's, no shit. That's pretty dark. Yeah. What a horrible way to die. I dated a girl that liked that kind of stuff. Asphyxiation? Yeah, she yeah. she would she wanted me to really do it like for real real. And then her eyes would start rolling back and like I was like, "Oh shit." And so I'd have to stop. <laughs> Cuz I was getting scared cuz it looked like she was going to pass out. Well, it's supposed to really increase orgasm. I think that's why people do it is 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 it's supposed to just like be amazing orgasms. You know. You know, people that get high on you know, I've seen videos or not videos, but photos of people that are like doing all sorts of weird sexual stuff and that have passed out or died in the process of doing all that, you know. Like who was it, David Carradine? Is he the one that did that? I don't know if he did or not, but you know, I, I you know, I don't know. In my past I've visited websites that have um, you know, um, really dark pictures and you know it's like a faces of death kind of thing, you know, photos of, of death and, 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 you know, you see all the, the crack paraphernalia and the, the cross dressing, you know, and just a lot of really weird kind of stuff, you know, people just really trying to check out because they can't bear the feelings that they have and, and, or can't bear the trauma that their body carries from their, from their past, you know, I mean, that's really how I see it, you know, it's just, uh, so, you know, so, but yeah, it's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I've had it a lot of girls fantasize. The number one fantasy I've experienced women wanting to act out is rape. And then, of course, like you can't really, it's already impossible, right? Because you're planning it <laughs> but uh yeah yeah well, well yeah. Maybe they just want you to be rough with them you know i don't know i go i, I give them 30 percent, and then they're like no do it for real and so i give them you know 60 and they freak out so i think i think <laughs> i think a lot of women are curious but then they realize what it actually is and they're like oh fuck Uh, there's an animal nature to everybody, you know. Maybe yeah. there's a little bit of kin caveman instinct, you know, in women. You know, maybe they want you to like bonk them over the head with a, with a, with a, <laughs> with a, with a stick. Now we're really <laughs> gonna get canceled. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Our first and last show. Yes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what YouTube says about this. Yeah, we'll try it. We'll Here's give it a shot. I'm sure BitChute will be fine. Yeah, BitChute will be great. BitChute, there's Library, and I think there's a couple other ones. I'll research and find out what they are and get back to you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, man. 
You got an hour okay, and a half. I want to see how long it lasts. What? <laughs> this. <laughs> My podcast? Yeah, how, how long it get before it gets flagged. <laughs> well, they got to find it first. So I don't yeah, have anyone. They, I don't have anyone writing SEO or anything like that for it. So if they okay. find it, it's going to be organic. <coughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Just a couple. But fuck of guys. them if they can't take a joke. Yeah. Well, just. <laughs> <find it> hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that. Yeah. Okay. Cool, Ryan. Thank you very much, man. I'm. I'm Are you good? I'm good, man. I'm really glad you had me here and, uh, you know, thank you. So yeah, sleep well. I will. I'm going to crash. You do look like you're, you're oh, I'm running tired. on empty a little bit. Yeah. Those <laughs> eyes are creepy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. All right, bro. I'll talk to you. Have a good night, man. Thank you very much. You're welcome, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate having, I'm honored to have be here. So thank you. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye.